Hey, Jamie. Hey, Keith. How are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Um, just got back from uh, Seattle a couple days uh, a couple days ago. Cool. Uh, how was the conference for one? And then you're going to have to obviously lead into the codication. The conference was really good, as you would expect from Gary. Um, so last Thursday was the conference, Thursday and Friday. Um, and Thursday afternoon was Justin Searles, Aaron Patterson, and Jen Schiller. Schiller? Schiffer. Schiffer. I always not forget. But those three talks I was uh, looking forward to, and they were like all back-to-back. So that was awesome. Friday uh, was good, except uh, it was in a theater. And because the party the previous night, I got up late. And... Um, didn't get there till late, so it's hard to find a seat. So we were like kind of on the side. Mm. So um, I didn't really attend the afternoon on Friday. Uh, I just went and worked instead. Went to lunch and then went and just worked. But the conference is great, man. You know, it had a lot of good content. And then we went from Friday, basically afternoon, to uh, uh, Tuesday or yeah, Tuesday of the following week. We did kind of a codication me mm-hmm. and a, me and a friend of mine a friend of yours as well um and that was good uh i got a lot done uh, i didn't get as much done as i wanted to obviously i knew i over i was over optimistic on on uh what i would get done but there was like three there's like three mistakes that i made with the codication that i would do differently okay well this will be helpful then let's talk about this okay so one one was uh, uh, shifting places we stayed at. So, uh, you know, for the conference, we stayed at the conference hotel mm-hmm. for, the, for the first three days. And then we had to move to an Airbnb. And that just took like, I mean, it sounds easy, but that basically takes like all of uh, Saturday was when we moved. It was kind of like. Uh, you had to like go find a hotel or go find a coffee shop because you had to check out at 11, check in at, at 3. So you had, mm-hmm. we basically worked. So it was kind of like, and then we had to get in, interrupted to go and move our stuff. And so it was kind of a pain in the ass. And I basically left like all of Saturday afternoon kind of like non-working. Um, gotcha. So I would, I would definitely stay at like a single place next time. If I would actually not back it up to a conference. Um, you know, this is a good opportunity to visit Seattle and then just stay out there. But I would, uh, I would have rather just went on a codication. So this isn't your first one, though, right? Didn't you do one of these uh, just at like an Airbnb in like Detroit? Yeah, that was more for a client client project where we basically launched a project in five five days, six days, uh, and we stayed at an Airbnb. Uh, with the client, there was a lot of work that we did. So it felt like we did so much more work then than we did now. And the other thing that, and there was a reason for that. And the other thing, the second point was since we didn't do an Airbnb till Saturday, basically Saturday night, we didn't go grocery shopping until like Sunday, Mm. Sunday afternoon. And the problem with that is, Every lunch and every dinner and even every breakfast, we had to go find a place to go. Well, you know, walk to a place or take mm-hmm. a lift. 
And that just took, you know, that's, that's freaking, you know, five hours right there out of the day. So if we would have had an Airbnb in the beginning, we would have went grocery shopping right away. And then we wouldn't have had to like, you know, go out and try to find breakfast and lunch, you know, maybe just do dinner. So okay. we did eventually go grocery shopping, but it wasn't until like two days before we had to leave or a day and a half before we had to leave. So it was kind of pointless. Um, and then the other thing that we had at that other Airbnb or at the other codication was our client was there. So he would go out and like get stuff for us. And like, you know, if we wanted coffee or something, he'd go and get it. And that was really nice. Man, that's a r- weird like role reversal for the client. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was up totally, you know, you know, we didn't. Yeah, no, I assume it's volunteer and you're not like, hey, servants, you know, snap yeah, your fingers yeah. and can you go get this stuff for us? <laughs> yeah, but that was really nice. So um, I would definitely like next time not not do that. Just, you know, find an Airbnb, go shopping right away and uh, and then just kind of chill at the Airbnb. And then the third thing that I would probably do differently was was a lot more collaboration between like whoever I'm doing the codication with. Um, and I know like we're, me and Scott were working on different things, but it would have been nice to kind of do like uh, check in and like hold each other accountable to certain deadlines. Ah, gotcha. And it was, was kind of loosey goosey. And uh, you know, I know I realized at that point it feels like a job, but uh, I think it would have been nice to, to kind of do that. So I'm happy I did it and I learned a lot of things about what to do better next time. So it was good though. Um, but I didn't get as much done as I, as I wanted to. So are you prepared to talk about what the actual like spoils of the coding are, or are you going to hold off and talk about that later? Sure. Because it wasn't. So what I wanted to get done is I wanted to launch, um, another feature in Tetsu and I wanted to get callback launched at least call back launched in a, uh, an early beta stage where other people can sign up for it. And I didn't accomplish either of those. So one problem was, uh, going into codication, you know, last time we talked about, uh, launch the early standup feature, there mm-hmm. was a bug. There was a bug in that, in, in doing subsequent early standups that took me forever to find like, I was basically working on that the, in the entire week leading up to uh, codication. And Jeez. when I say the entire week, I mean, it's not like I was working 40 hours trying to find. A yeah. Your, your dedicated side work time. Yeah. Yeah. My dedicated. Yeah. Um, and then I would get frustrated and then move on to callback and then come back to the bug. And then, but I, I did finally find it um, actually at the conference uh, and I fixed it. And then the other thing I did was I moved, um, so <laughs> right after I released, or right after I finished the early standup, um, Slack released, uh, they now have menu or dropdown. Uh, they call them interactive menus. Uh, they have dropdowns in uh, their UI now, which helps out um, the UI for, for early standups tremendously. Because basically mm. what I was doing before is you'd click a button to choose your day and then more buttons would show up to, to select your day. And then gotcha. the same with the room. So I changed those to, to use menus. And it was pretty straightforward. I did run into an issue. It was 
kind of a weird issue um, uh, on, on, I guess on Slack's part, but uh, in menus, you can have like a, like a selected item, just like you can in an HTML dropdown select. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very straightforward. Well, I was setting this and it was never, it was never setting, setting in the UI. And that took me a, a little, little bit to find out. And the issue is, uh, you know, so the values of the rooms, so there's a drop down of a, of a room select and the, you know, the display is the name of the room mm-hmm. and the value is the ID that is in my database of that room. Gotcha. And I would select the selected option to be that value. And those values are integers in both cases. But what I found was that somewhere along the line of going to Slack, the options, the, the available option values get transferred into strings and the selected option does not. So it would never find that, hey, this is a selected option because this is an integer and the other ones were strings for some reason. So once uh, I changed okay. the selected option to a string, it all worked. And it was magical, but that took me forever, obviously, to find. Mm-hmm. Um, so after I found those two things, I was able to actually, and then I wrapped it with Flipper, uh, feature Flipper, and I, I was actually able to launch that and codication, like actually the, the Friday of the of the conference. Nice. And then I and then I fixed a whole bunch of bugs in Tatsu that have been kind of sit, sitting there. Not not really important bugs, obviously, but just minor nuances. Um, Mm-hmm. So I fixed a bunch of those, and then I wanted to release the vacation feature, so or out of office. So, like, if you're out of office for, you know, a codication, let's say, you can specify that with Tetsu, and it won't call on you during those standups. Um, I wanted to release that. I I got about halfway done with that. I didn't actually get that done, but um, uh, I did a lot of it. And then uh, the other thing I wanted to do was release callback. Uh, so I was not able to do that. Obviously, um, I started on the front end side of things, mm-hmm. and I wasted a half a day with React. And I don't know yeah, I saw some tweets about this. <laughs> I don't know if you want to get into this, man, but I cannot believe that this is the quote unquote winning front end framework for software development. Yeah, just because it. Uh, I mean, I've looked at it. It seems pretty cool. Oh, it took me an hour and a half and I couldn't, you can't get it to work for a simple, uh, Dom, like a simple Dom to, to have a sticky footer at the bottom without using Flexbox. I know I could use Flexbox, but I didn't want to use Flexbox. So to have a sticky foot, it's impossible. You can't do it in react. You just can't do it. Cause you need surrounding divs around JSX elements. And it has these atrocious. I don't know if you need to have these atrocious, uh, CSS class names, but every example I see have these atrocious uppercase CSS names. And it's just, and then you have the, the behavior and the presentation in one file. It, it was horrible. It was a horrible, horrible experience, man. And I was just, I was just in awe that that is like the winning framework. So after about eight hours with that framework, I, threw everything in the trash and I went to, uh, I went back to Ember, uh, which I've used before and it's actually been a lot simpler. It's been simplified a lot since I've used it last. Um, and it was just, Ooh, nice. it was just an 
a wonderful experience. The tooling is amazing. I, I just don't understand it. So that might be, you know, because I've already gone 13 minutes. Oh, gotcha. Uh, my my hatred for React runs deep. And the fact that this is like the most popular framework blows my mind. I've gotten some requests to do tutorials on this. So I'm probably going to have to dig into it sooner rather than later. I am going to dig into, I am going to create uh, an app start to finish with it. Not an app app, mm-hmm. but I'll spend some more time with it. But my first impressions uh, of are eight hours positive. are far from positive. Like, far from positive. Well, if it makes you feel any better, you're not the only one who had to dumpster like a whole day's worth of work. Awesome. So, But I'll get to that when I talk about my stuff. So what are you going to do in the next two weeks? So, uh, okay. So we're recording this late, obviously. Um, not obviously, but we're yeah. recording this late. So we really only have like a week and a half of, of work. Um, and I'm starting another client next week so i'm not expecting to get a lot done um but i am going to i am going to try to do the sign up sign in and the initial dashboard for for callback for the front end um that's my goal it doesn't really sound like a lot but um i I don't have that much time so those are my um my two goals and then i'm going to expand my uh Tetsu uh, feature request for uh, the early stand-up beta to other teams. And that's it, man. That's what I'm planning on doing. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're time-constrained, then those are completely reasonable goals, in my opinion. So, But yeah, for me, um, last two weeks, I... Trying to remember what I wanted to actually get done. I do recall I said something super stupid, like, "Oh, I've got the rest of this day to work. I can probably bust out an MVP for this thing today." <laughs> the famous last words. Uh, I spent that entire day. So I was writing um, my my form. Uh, I don't know receiver uh, application in Go, and I was trying out a Go web framework that. It's called Buffalo, uh, and it is bad. Like, it it was just it was it was not a good experience for me. Go is much better if you just piecemeal stuff together and just build like your own. Some like you're like, oh, I need to talk to a Postgres database. Let me install a Postgres adapter. Um, that is a way better way to use Go than have like to pull in this like huge framework with mm-hmm. this stuff because there's stuff in there that just like doesn't make sense. Like, I couldn't get it to not try to connect to uh, a very specific database name or to, or what was, what was the problem I ran into? I couldn't run it on something that uh, didn't have uh, like PSQL installed. Even if I had like client libraries and stuff, mm. it was, it was real weird. Cause it like, it needed shell access in order to cr- like create some stuff. And I was like, all right, this is too stupid for me. I'm done. But yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. So I scrapped all that stuff and I came back, and then it turned into a huge like basically learning process. Uh, and I built a entire like from start to finish continuous delivery pipeline using GitLab and uh, Kubernetes on the Google Cloud. So, uh, so that's done, and that's actually pretty sick. I'm pretty happy with how that turned out. But um, that was like a now you have to build your app. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I built the, I did all the ops stuff up front, which is fine. Like I've actually learned a pretty big lesson about this, like in, you know, like work projects. Like I put off ops for a while on a project that I worked on and it was like the most stressful two weeks at the end I've ever experienced, I think. Um, but yeah, so I got that done. Uh, a little bit of the app's been worked on, but um, the like kind of the real win from this like whole experimentation thing is it gave me a lot more experience with Kubernetes for while I'm working on my Kubernetes videos for the YouTube channel. So that was kind of a net win. Yeah, so that, that was pretty much like besides the actual YouTube stuff, that was uh, basically what I've been doing. Oh, and I submitted my first uh, talk proposal to, not talk proposal, tutorial proposal to DigitalOcean, um, oh, and that got accepted. So oh, awesome. I... The, just the proposal, which was actually like pretty extensive. You have to like you have to give them an outline, and then you have to summarize what each section of your outline is going to be about and why it's important to the person. Um, and then you have to give them a reason why they should put the article up, like using like Google Trends and popular, like you know, like certain. Basically, you have to kind of back it with numbers. Um, so they oh. came back and said yes to that, which uh, is going to be a tutorial over like how to basically set up a really, really easy reverse proxy in front of uh, multiple Docker containers on a single node hmm. because people like who are running Docker, they run into this situation where it's like they do Docker machine and then they like deploy their app to it. And they're like, well, I've exposed port 80. So hmm. I kind of can't do anything else with this. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's a tool that we use at work as a reverse proxy locally so that all of our applications that run in Docker have their own domain name that we can access. Like on development? And yeah, yeah. So we have we run our uh, a DNS mask server, or yeah, I guess process in a container, and then we run this thing called Traffic, which is a Docker-based, or it's not Docker-based, but it works with Docker, um, reverse proxy that actually, like, you give it the Docker socket and then it can tell when you add and remove containers so it knows where to route things to um it's pretty sweet actually it's like really really easy to to get set up so i'm gonna end up writing that probably this next week but that got accepted so awesome. goals for the next two weeks are gonna be to uh actually work on the real application for my web app challenge and then um kind of just continue like sprucing up the uh, YouTube channel, I guess. Like, it's actually been... I mean, it's it's working as a thing. Like, I, I've been improving some of the, like, uh, I guess, search engine-y things about it. Like, turns out I'm really bad at tagging videos. If you make tutorial videos, you should probably put a tag in there that is, like, the exact question that somebody is going to ask that you want them to get to that video oh. instead of just, like, Kubernetes and kubernetes tutorial like it's it's much better if you put like what is kubernetes and then like tons of people show up to it so oh, that's cool. um yeah that's actually really helpful and like increased my uh traffic on youtube quite a bit i think i've maybe gotten like 200 subscribers since the last time you and i talked dude that's amazing so yeah it's like it changed a lot in a short amount of time but so, yeah, kind of continuing to work on, like, doing best practices for the YouTube channel to improve uh, stuff there and tweaking the, the videos, created an end card. So you're actually in the credits of the most recent uh, YouTube video. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but that's about it for me, though. Going to so continue working on this. Are you going to you're continuing to use Go on your uh, web app challenge? Yeah, so I... 
there is actually a little bit there, right? So I've created the structure for me to do everything. So I'm not using a, you know, a framework of any kind, but like having some sort of package structure is really handy. So like I went through and figured out how I wanted to set up my, my like routing layer, um, constructs and then my database layer constructs. And then I created like the base of my first like thing, which is like the model is form, which is really crappy, but I don't know what else to call it. Um, and submission. No, that's, that's well, so a submission is going to be the like individual instance. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm at right now, but I need to add some, uh, you know, actual features in there. I've got some tests around it though, which run blazing fast. So that's okay. nice. Oh, I had something else I want to, I want to really quickly talk about, but yeah, well, go for it. I blew through my stuff pretty fast. So, okay, let's talk. So one thing I forgot to mention that I did, uh, that was an interesting experience was, uh, I created, started creating public API documentation for, for callback and, uh, my process. So I'm using grape, the frame, the API framework grape for, for callback. And mm-hmm. there's a grape swagger gem that allows you to, to add swagger documentation to, uh, encode to your API. Nice. Swagger sweet, man. Yeah. So I'm using swagger, grape swagger, adding documentation, then I have a rake task that takes that creates that Swagger file. Uh, mm-hmm. It creates like a JSON file for Swagger that you can upload to OpenAPI, which is now Swagger is now OpenAPI or something like that. Oh, gotcha. And and then I'm using README.io to pull down that Swagger file that's on the internet. So I'm and I'm using README.io because I really really like the the way it looks. Um, so it's kind of a convoluted process that took me a little bit to figure out what is what and where's where, but, um, the only, the only bad part is readme.io is expensive as shit. So I don't know if I'm going to end up using it, but it's like $60 a month for the base plan. Oof. Yeah. I don't even know what this is. Like I assume, I can assume from the title. Oh yeah. Readme.io is pretty sweet. Um, oh, it's like a way to create pretty documentation sites yep yep and it kind of creates like a stripe like uh documentation site there's a bunch of people that use it like a box the box api uses it which i've been using as kind of a reference um they have a bunch of other ones listed there but um yeah it's really pretty it's just expensive as shit so i I yeah that is this is excessively expensive i'm gonna say i looked into like postman i might use postman uh that's like eight dollars a month (laughs) Or I might just use use Swagger, but uh, right now it doesn't really matter because I'm just using uh, Swagger, and mm-hmm. you know I'm not I'm not wasting any time by you know using README. Yeah. So uh, the other thing I plan on doing is is finishing a lot of that documentation. Gotcha. So it was an interesting experience trying to get that all set up and and running. It took like a half half a day. I had a little bit of experience with this using a Go module. Um, there's a, if you go to Go dash Swagger, mm-hmm. it's actually a pretty neat tool that will let you. Uh, um, it can do a couple different things, but basically, it can spin up a Swagger server for you. Um, oh wow! But it can also consume a Swagger declaration and create a binary command line utility for <laughs> for it. Um. I guess, so, like, I guess the Grape Swagger it, does all that as well. 
Like you can look at yeah. the documentation locally. But yeah, the uh I used it to like I don't remember what I was working on. Oh, I was just goofing off and I wanted to um build something around like the Halo Five stats API and they had a swagger declaration, so I made a uh a Go command line utility for it so that I could just like ask specific stats. And it was like, literally I just pointed it at their swagger, uh, file. Nice. So that was kind of neat, but yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This looks very, very similar to, uh, to grape swagger. Cool, man. Um, nice. Also, uh, opinion question for you. Yeah, go for it. You, if you're looking for documentation for an API and Mm -hmm. you just, you know, you're not searching on Google for it. Do you, what what do you put in the URL for that? That's a good question. Looking for the documentation for an API. Yeah, like, um, like, I guess I would put in blank API, right? So like, I would if I were looking for Stripe, I would be Stripe API. Well, I mean, like if you were on Stripe, if you didn't have Google, right? Oh, right. If I didn't have Google, like, like you know, if, if somebody, if you want to check if if somebody's uh, site is down, you usually go to like status.github.com, yeah. right? If you're looking at okay. What would you, what would, what would the URL be? That's a good question. Okay. I would honestly look at, so I'm trying to, I'm on Stripe's website right now and I'm like, how would I even find this? I would first search for API, like command F API. If nothing shows up there, then I would go for developer. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, my, my reason for asking it and asking it that way is I, I, I'm going between using docs.callback.run or developer.callback.run. So I think if you are, um, since you have a developer centric tool, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. nobody who's not a developer is going to use this mm-hmm. right away. I think docs is probably the way to go. Cause like the developer dot is a little redundant, I guess. Yep. Yep. Um, yep, that would probably be the way I would go with it. Cool. That's the way I, uh, that's the way I went. So there is a start of it, but it's, there's nothing there yet. There's, there's the outline of it. I saw that you did create a Ruby command line utility. I think that's been done for a little while, but that's yeah, yeah. I had to use that nice. for a client project, and uh, so I created that, and I'm actually going to use that in, within Tetsu because Tetsu has its own like homegrown one as well. And then I'm going to create a JavaScript uh, utility. I'll probably do an Elixir, and I might even do a Go. Uh, nice. Well, I mean, if you have a Swagger file, man, you can uh, <laughs> you can yeah. kind of just spin one up. Yeah, that's awesome. So, don't even need to know. No go. Uh, it, it is a little gnarly sometimes. Like the code that it produces is kind of like annoying to me, but it would get the job done. Awesome, man. Well, cool, dude. Uh, I guess I will talk to you in two weeks and hopefully I uh, have a little bit more to report on. Me too. Me too. But later, dude. Later. Later.